0: This week on the Road to Cinema podcast, director Daniel Ram of the new documentary Harold and Lillian, a Hollywood love story, which opens in Los Angeles on Friday, May 12th. The documentary explores the creative and romantic relationship between Harold and Lillian Mickelson, Harold, the renowned storyboard artist behind the Alfred Hitchcock classic The Birds, The Graduate, and Star Trek, the motion picture, and Lillian being an expert researcher on such films as Rosemary's Baby, Fiddler on the Roof, Scarface, and many more. Oscar-nominated director Daniel Rame shares with us how he first came across Harold and Lillian as a student at the American Film Institute in the late 1990s, how he crafted the emotionally engaging story of the documentary, and we learn how the enthusiasm of Danny DeVito, who collaborated with Harold and Lillian throughout their career, was a key element in bringing this film to life. For more information on the Road to Cinema podcast, please visit jogroadproductions.com. You can follow us on Twitter at jogroad, Instagram at jogroadproductions, like our Facebook page, Jog Productions, and don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch video interviews with Don Cheadle, Greta Gerwig, Hugh McGregor, and many more. And you can also subscribe to the Road to Cinema podcast on iTunes and write us a nice review on the iTunes podcast page under the Road to Cinema podcast. And now we join Oscar-nominated director Daniel Ram of the new documentary Harold and Lillian, A Hollywood Love Story. The film opens this weekend, Friday, May 12th, at Lamley Theaters across the Los Angeles area, including the Lamley Monica Center in Santa Monica. You can learn more by visiting HaroldandLillian.com. How did you originally come across Harold and Lillian, because I believe you were at AFI as a student when right. you had met Harold? In
1: 1997, I was at the AFI. Uh, my professor there was Robert Boyle, who was Hitchcock's production designer and um, did the uh, several Hitchcock classics, including North by Northwest, The Birds, Marnie, uh, before that, Saboteur and Shadow of a Doubt. and. Um, he brought, as a guest, uh, Harold Michelson, who was famous for doing the storyboards on The Birds and Marty, and among many other films, and Harold came in and taught us a class in uh, storyboarding, and um, that's how I met Harold, and eventually I started making a documentary about Robert Boyle, so that was my first film in this sort of trilogy that... Concludes with Harold and Lillian. Was that the man in Lincoln's? Nose the man on Lincoln's when he got nominated for an Oscar for it, right? Yeah. And I sort of fell into this world. I mean, the, the way I got started making these films is that I would see people like grand masters like Harold and Bob uh, talking about how they work together and and all these different techniques and beyond just sort of like being in the presence of these two great people and being sort of, you know, fascinated about what they were talking about. I also was witnessing as a student, this kind of amazing rapport, this friendship, this bond, this passion for filmmaking and a kind of a way of a sort of a wisdom and a wit of way of seeing the world that kind of engaged my sort of curiosity. And I thought to myself, somebody has got to be filming these guys. It's not enough just about read about them in books. In person, they're so fucking cool, <laughs> you know, and and um, and inspiring. So eventually, within like a few months of starting to make the Man on Lincoln's Nose uh, independently, I was a student at AFI, but I just started this. Got Bob Boyle's permission to do this project. Knew nothing about, you know, not nothing, but knew very little about film. About you know, I was a student at AFI, but you know, how does Hitchcock make a movie, right? How do they work? What goes into that? So we went back, as part of the filming, we went back on a trip uh, when we, I say myself, Bob Boyle, Harold Michelson, and Lillian in 1998, went back to Bodega Bay, where they shot The Birds 37 years earlier. The The process of making Harold Lillian began, uh, in two, well, in two thousand thirteen I started making Harold Lillian, but uh, in nineteen ninety-eight as part of filming the Robert Boyle documentary called The Man on Lincoln's Nose, I filmed two career spanning interviews with Harold and nothing with Lillian. I had no intention at that point of making a documentary about Lillian, nor so did at it. that
0: point you thought I'm gonna film Harold, you know, dissect through his whole life and maybe at some point there'll be a film out of this
1: yes no actually yes and no why what was my instinct to explore his whole life i think part of it was the fact that in his bookshelf in his office at dreamworks when i met him and he was gosh 90 yeah sorry, he was 80 something years old he had the storyboards for the ten commandments the graduate the birds cotton club and i was like let's go into this this is like what a moment to be with harold michelson i mean this is I'm 22, I'm a filmstruck, I don't know what the hell's going on in terms of like how I can use this down the road or it's sort of a documentary f- filmmaking style uh, where I'm just sort of documented a lot of people like Harold and, and, and uh, continue to do so <laughs> now for, for Filmstruck and Criterion uh, Channel. And uh, yeah, I read
0: that you have a series coming out on film soon. Right. What, yeah. what is that? Uh, what does that involve?
1: That's sort of born out of my fascination for documenting and preserving the story of the not just the unsung masters, but generally a lot of people that work behind, you know, cinematographers and production designers, and I'm going to broaden it out to other directors, etc. But telling the story that both intersects the personal and the intimate and the creative philosophies and the creative approach to making films. So these are short films. Uh, And I was just in Japan doing a piece on uh, Ozu as well. So there's going to be all sorts of, um, exploring all sorts of different filmmakers, yeah.
0: Well, uh, well to get back to Harold and Lillian, uh, so at what point, you know, you had filmed Harold quite a bit, at what point were you thinking this relationship between the two of them could really be the foundation for something special.
1: So basically in 2013, Lillian Michelson, who lives at the Motion Picture Home, uh, and she's 88, or so it was in 2013, she's a bit younger, but her health was waning. And I wanted to do something in the sort of, uh, do a couple short films. Based on the material I had of Harold, I felt confident I can do something with Harold, especially, you know, Especially with, hmm, I could do something with Harold that looked at an aspect of his work that I didn't fully understand, which is storyboarding. And by that, by understanding, I mean like, how do we kind of look at the storyboard art as a way of understanding film grammar and cinema literacy and Hitchcock's sort of method and approach to translating his vision into these images. But I felt like I learned more from looking, as I'm making this documentary, into The Graduate. But I'll get back to that in a minute. But what happened is I felt confident I could do something on Harold, But Lillian, that was like, you know, how do you tell, visualize the story of a film researcher? And we came across this uh, archival footage that was fifth generation, unusable VHS cassettes that somebody had shot in 1992 of Lillian working at her research library and i watched it and I thought it was really interesting footage and, but it was completely unusable. There was no way I could add big time code across it, fifth generation. It was just unwatchable. And my intention was to find that material, their masters, if possible interview Lillian and try to create another short. So two short films. But as I started to interview people that knew them and loved them and collaborated with them, uh, it became very clear that they were inseparable, even though they were, what they did supported each other and sort of fed into. each other. They
0: didn't always directly work together, but they fed off each other creatively. Yeah. You see that in the film. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. When Harold was brainstorming about The Graduate, he was talking about it with Lillian. And, right. You know, trying to get ideas.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there must have been some really interesting pillow talk. <laughs> 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 yeah, you know, I think, some of the best work sometimes happens when you're not at work, you know? Yeah. And I, de- knowing Lillian and kind of thinking about what you're saying, I'm sure that she had all sorts of ideas that f- she fed Harold because that's what she did professionally as a film researcher. She would work with... Um, a range of film makers from directors, writers, producers, and, and production designers, and heralds, storyboard artists, and provide them with the information and the research they needed to create an authentic world for anything from a science fiction film to Brian De Palma's Scarface to a shtetl in... know eastern europe for fiddle on the roof so and and what's neat about lillian is that beyond this library that she purchased and maintained over 550 years is her own unique ability to get information that you're not allowed to see as somebody says in the film and find people to get that information that could be on any side of the law and just had this really interesting personality but the challenge was essentially looking at these, you know, these two careers and then making a commitment as a filmmaker, like, I'm, how, I'm gonna merge this into a feature film, like, am I crazy? You know, like, and tell a love story. Like, what is that love story? What does it have to do with these enormous contributions they made unsung heroes? And that was the initial challenge.
0: Yeah, it was interesting as you mentioned before how many people were so passionate about working with Harold and Millian and you see that through Danny DeVito who executive produced the film and Francis Ford Coppola and Mel Brooks. Uh, what did Danny DeVito really bring to the project and you know how important was his enthusiasm?
1: Very important on a number of levels. So he was one of the first people I interviewed and when he started to talk about and paint a picture for me about Harold and Lillian as a couple. I call them two peas in a pod, and praised their contributions to his own movies as a director. And talked about that working their work, you know, how they work together, and how he was able to also articulate firsthand how Harold and Lillian worked together, and that was so eye opening. So, so it, it, my relationship or his involvement with the film began with an interview and he was a close friend of theirs and then they were sort of hanging out in the same circle of friends and then when Danny DeVito started to direct films like Throw Mama from the Train was his first film, he told me that the first person he would think of to be part of his very intimate team is Harold and Lillian. Later when I had a rough cut of the film, uh, it was great because Danny was very open to helping uh, film young filmmakers uh, invited me to screen the film with his editor, um, and we watched the the film. Uh, beat by beat and kind of broke it down and it was like a master class it was really really wonderful to, uh, to is that Lindsay one. Klingman? that's right Klingman? Yeah, yeah i
0: interviewed her last year She's oh great phenomenal.
1: yeah she Very is phenomenal editor. yeah yeah so she edited his film she was in one of the editors on one flew over the cuckoo's nest and uh the milos forman film that danny executive produced called man on the moon
0: right oh yeah I mean, the andy kaufman andy yeah. kaufman yeah
1: yeah so that was a kick hanging out with those two guys. And, because and,
0: I read that uh, you had a five-hour cut where you right. just basically assembled everything in a linear structure. That's right. So was that so from that five-hour cut was that really just your foundation to really figure out uh, what the core of the story would be? Yeah.
1: So that that's that's right. So that's like a about a year before I showed Danny the rough cut. Okay. I. about a year into this two-year process was about halfway into the editing process when I still wasn't like clear on the direction the story's going because initially as I said I started off with this kind of an idea to do two short films that celebrate Harold and Lillian at some kind of evening event you know just to make sure that we don't just remember Harold as the little name un- in a hitchcock book under the f- under the storyboard you know mm-hmm. like so who is this guy who's this guy that you that you, anyone who's into hitchcock sees these storyboards in these books but beyond that who is this guy so i wanted to do something and and again as i mentioned i was very curious to understand through making the film what the film grammar is that goes into it into the storyboard process and um, and so one of the techniques that um, I, I advocate to when I teach documentary filmmaking as well, and I'm glad I took the, my own advice, is to do this process of assembling in chronological order um, all of the interviews that I shot so far. So I would assemble a five-hour cut no graphics, no music, no embellishments. Just like this is the, the the raw footage that... Actually, this part of the technique that I'm referring to comes out of something I read about the working method of uh, Renoir. Um, Jean-, Jean Renoir. Jean, Jean Renoir. Where is it? I think this is Renoir, and not Fellini. I think this is Renoir where he would have a table reading of his script, but he would de- demand that the actors don't... That They don't act, they don't perform, they just read kind of very dry as possible so that he can really, then you really get a sense of where and how the story's working without the embellishment and without the sort of crutches, basically, of music and graphics and everything else. So what surprised me was Lillian Michelson watching this five-hour cut I, I said I, I left this five-hour cut. I had to rethink my whole movie because Lillian, who was eighty-eight, and I'd been filming at the Motion Picture Home, was the surprise because I had a, the deepest emotional response was to her. It wasn't the intellectual or the um creative work or the, 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 the Hollywood materials more about this is a woman who is so funny and articulate and witty and fascinating and amazing on camera. Just her the way, you know, and she'd net she's and the and the and, and, and this is material born out of the most camera shy person I ever met in my life, both her and Harold, which speaks to the fact they didn't ever want the spotlight as well. And so the interview process became just me and her in a room with my h d camera kind of like um as in, as discreet as possible, uh using natural light to engage her in a conversation and watching this five hour assembly cut, I thought, man, this is Lillian's inner story is where it's at, like there's something really amazing here about this woman who was it an orphan and she went kind of a self-made woman and kind of had this kind of amazing life experience, life journey, and how she sort of uh, developed into this uh, self-made woman and overcame all these challenges and then meeting Harold and, you know, the challenges of of having a, a a successful marriage when yeah. the f- act of love, the actor, the experience of giving and receiving love is challenging and raising three kids an autistic child and and what made it possible to turn it into a f- narrative feature f- a n- documentary narrative feature film yeah. was that she bared her soul in a very loving human witty way to. I was able to bring Harold's voice into the film through his very uh, also witty love letters and poems and drawings for Lillian that he would make on every occasion throughout their six-year marriage, every like special occasion. And then, um, and then, of course, the challenge was as, as I'm starting to turn it into a rough cut was how do I visualize their life journey?
0: And that's where the uh, that's where the artwork came in, right? Brought in an artist to draw Harold and Lillian through these incredible moments in their lives. Right. So that was just something that sort of sprung out from that rough cut that you were putting together. That idea to use those pictures.
1: Yes, that's right. So that rough cut uh, that I put together was uh, or had black like black where I had had hoped to include some kind of animation or visual reference. And, um, and I also had in mind to um, collaborate with someone I had met years earlier over lunch with Harold Lillian at DreamWorks Animation, a senior animator there, Patrick Maté, from France, and when I sort of brought up this project, he said, oh, I'm very busy, there's no way I can help you, the, but I love your idea, da-da-da. And then he agreed to watch a rough cut, and that rough cut must have touched his soul because he came back to me he's like daniel i have to work on this movie (laughs) and he did and it was amazing we worked over many weekends and he had known harold lillian on a very intimate personal level the story connected with his uh, the fabric of his own life struggles and and he i think he really put his feelings and his soul into the project but again the challenge was what did we do i was thinking you know if i had a budget but we really didn't it would be really great to sort of bring to life through animation but maybe a simple black and white animation not but he said you know daniel let's let's do these as storyboards and let's keep it very simple
0: and of
1: course
0: it also coincides with uh, harold as a storyboard artist that's right so it, it connects right there
1: it connects right there we're presenting to an audience on so many levels the story, you know, what did Harold do? He created within a frame an entire story, right? And, you know, he, if Harold could, he could take 20 pages of dialogue and reduce it to a single shot, like the iconic leg shot with Anne Bancroft and The Graduate. But um, that's what we did. We, we, we created these storyboard-esque illustrations that, you know, take us through the, the journey of their life.
0: And uh, I I just wanted to kind of touch base on, you know, your career as a filmmaker, it's really been about preserving so much history. And I was curious, you know, in this film, you're preserving history, yet you're connecting with a very emotional story. So has this influenced how you want to move forward in other films you want to make?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love the idea that a documentary, I think it was Jean-Luc Godard, that says like a great Documentary has elements of a fiction film, and a great fiction film has elements of a documentary. And I think that hybrid approach is um, when I make a documentary, I want the audience to be completely involved in the journey of the characters, uh, in the same emotionally, right, and intellectually in the same way that they are involved with the journey of a fiction characters. And again that's you know having that collaboration with Patrick really made that possible um, but in in general I didn't set out to become a documentary filmmaker and I don't want to and I won't limit myself to just making docs uh, um, and even just in this specific niche of, of preserving the the history of of uh, the unsung grandmasters of behind the scenes it's sort of like this. I sort of fell into these stories in a way, and it's like that's the way I'm going to tell these stories. Yeah. And, um, and, and um, that being said, um, I think that the, the tension that I'm interested in in these docs. Is not just the 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 create the creative out the 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 creativity and the um and the careers so to speak the kind of um, the kind of just sort of um sort of an academic not just interested in, I'm I'm equally interested in the human beings it's so interesting because as I was sort of wrap coming back to what I was saying when I was like in this classroom it's like because these. There is something very um, important to preserve about something that's kind of lost today. And, and I felt like, all right, this th- I call it a trilogy because I don't know if I'm going to continue to find these old geezers that are like actively working in, in the film. And, uh, and when I say old geezers, I mean that very affectionately because in their spirit and their mind, they're younger than us in so many ways.
0: Yeah, It's interesting because what Harold and Lillian have done it, it, don't, it doesn't really exist today in the same form.
1: No, no, that's a really good point. And, and I, I think that's the case. I don't think that you can find a, a working relationship between a director and like a, a researcher, a storyboard artist, a cinematographer. I mean, I would say maybe Alfonso Cuaron, you know, who's I think one of the more um, exciting and amazing uh, uh, and fascinating Filmmakers working today. I, I imagine he has a very intimate team, and so he might be working that way But definitely not in the studio system
0: right. and How can everybody uh, check out the film?
1: It opens tomorrow um, at, in Los Angeles uh, go to Harold uh, and Lillian the first screening times and Lillian will be appearing with me uh, in santa monica on friday night at the monica lemley uh, the monica film center in santa monica and then we'll be doing q a's throughout the weekend